amen. You all sound pretty good. It means we got room to improve before the service is over. Anyway, would you remain standing in honor of God's word and go with me to the text from which my assignment comes today, the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea. And if you are trying to find that in a paper Bible, a real life Bible, find the book of Psalms, right? That's the easy book in the Old Testament to find other than Genesis. Psalms is pretty easy to find. And then go forward nine books and you got Daniel or Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea. Hosea chapter number three, beginning in verse one. The scripture says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince or without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendants, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. Today, I want to continue to minister to you from the series Perfect relationships are anything but. And I want to talk to you about the most important relationship that you and I can have. I'm not talking about your relationship if you're a woman with your husband, or if you're a man with your wife, or if you're a parent with your children, or if you're a child with your parents. I want to talk to you about our relationship with Christ, the most important relationship we can have, but through a different lens this morning. I want to talk to you about that relationship through the lens of scandal. I want us to see this as a scandalous relationship. And you say, Pastor, well, that makes absolutely no sense because our relationship with Christ is not scandalous. Well, not in the sense of an affair and not in the sense of it being hidden or not in the sense of you fearing that you were outed by it. But we're going to see today that our relationship with Christ is scandalous in the sense, what is a God like him? doing in a relationship with people like us. And so it's from that perspective. To get your heart and your mind ready for this scandalous story, I want you to help me out by entering into a place with your imagination with me. And to do that, you need to stay seated for just a moment. So sit down for just a moment. And in, in a couple seconds, I'm going to ask you to rise again. I'll motion for you to rise. And when I do, please stand up. But for now, I just want you to imagine that you've been invited to a wedding from a dear friend in your past, you haven't seen them in many, many years, but they were the kind of guy that was always a good Joe. I mean, everything they did was nice, and they were always nice to people and never had a bad thing to say about anybody. Matter of fact, they were the type of person who helped little old ladies across the street, type of person who volunteered for the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, had that little box checked on their driver's license that said organ donor, type of person that was so good, still held open doors for ladies and pulled out their chairs, always said please and thank you. I mean, wore the preppy penny loafers with the cuff on the bottom and the hair parted to the side. Get the idea, a really, really good Joe. And so you imagined in your mind, being that he was such a good Joe, the kind of girl that he was going 
to marry. She's the kind of girl that you would think you'd bring home to mama. You're at the ceremony, and the groom walks in with the pastor and the groomsmen. The bridesmaids all come down the aisle. The cute ring bearer and flower girl do their thing. The pastor motions for everyone to stand because the bride is about to come in. The music changes, and suddenly you hear this. It's amazing. Most of you reacted to that song better than you react to a worship song. You're like, yo, I'm ready to get down. It's not with the church, right? But when you hear that song and you look back and you see the girl who has just walked in, you're thinking to yourself, what is a guy like that doing in a relationship with a girl like that? I want to talk to you today about our relationship with Jesus Christ from the lens of a scandalous relationship. And my title today is simply this, I am Gomer. I am Gomer. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to look at our relationship with Jesus Christ through this lens, which hopefully will bring um, better clarity and better understanding to how much you love us and what our relationship with you means. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Now, before you're seated, would you look at somebody and just say this, what's up, Gomer? You may be seated. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about the story of Hosea and Gomer. Many years ago, there, there was this really good Joe. His name was Hosea. And he was a great guy. He was God's anointed, God's appointed. He was a prophet to the land of Israel, very, very well-known, very famous. Israel was living during a time when they had forgotten about God. They had forgotten that God had taken them out of slavery. They had forgotten that God had brought them into the promised land, and they began to worship other gods and other idols. And, and like God would always do whenever his people would stray, God would always call them back. And I don't know about you, I'm glad God doesn't change. I'm glad he's the, the same yesterday, today, and forever, because even in our straying, what does God always do? He calls us back. In Bible times, he'd call us back or call them back through prophets, and the prophets would go out and they would preach repentance and, and there would be revival and people would return to God. Sometimes God would have some spectacular sign or miracle like when Elijah called down fire from heaven or something of that nature. Sometimes there was a drought and then there would be rain followed by the command of the prophet. And all these things were always meant to bring Israel back to God. Well, God speaks to Hosea, and, and you would think he's going to say, go and cry against Israel and call them to repentance. But instead, God gives him this strange, strange instruction. He said, Hosea, I want you to go down to the red light district, and I want you to pick out one of the prostitutes to be your wife. I want you to go marry a prostitute. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Hosea, I would definitely think this was not God speaking to me. I might rebuke the enemy. And by the way, this is a one-time illustration that God gives. Don't ever think God would speak to you about this, fellas. God's not telling you to go down to the red light district. And some of you might want to use that as an excuse. Well, God told me to be here. I promise you God is not speaking to you in that regard. But in this case, God wanted to use Hosea's life to demonstrate his love. 
And so right at the beginning of the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 1, verse number 2, he specifically says, Go take a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. And so Hosea, God's man, God's, you know, appointed, God's anointed, decides to listen to the Lord, and he goes down, and he doesn't pick out a reformed prostitute. He doesn't pick out a prostitute as decide to turn over a new leaf. He picks out a prostitute that is right in the middle of her prostitution career, and he walks up to her, and he asks her to be his wife. Now, you got to admit that this is a strange story. It's a bizarre story. It's a story that kind of you wonder what is the spiritual significance of a story like this. But you also got to admit it captivates you a little bit, doesn't it? You're like, man, seriously, like this is in the Bible, this kind of stuff. And what I love about God is he kind of uses names that we can all kind of relate to. Maybe we can't relate to Hosea, but how many of you can relate to the name Gomer? Anybody Gomer, ring a bell. Anybody remember Gomer Pyle? Gomer Pyle from back in the day. Limited vocabulary, hillbilly type guy. And you remember Gomer Pyle? He falls in love with Luanne Pouvet, the wannabe nightclub singer. She's kind of like tone deaf, right? And the first time he lays eyes on her because he's got such a limited vocabulary, what does he say? Shazam, right? I mean, he just, she is so beautiful to him. And so I I think it's cool that God kind of uses the name Gomer because it kind of sucks us in a little bit. And maybe if you don't don't know who Gomer Pyle is, but you live kind of in, in, in this day and age, and, and so you know who the modern-day Gomer Pyle is, right? Eli Manning, of course, right? I mean, come on, Giant fans. He's Gomer Pyle reinvented, right? Guy throws an interception. He's like, oh, shucks, man. He's just one of them good Joes, you know? I mean, you kind of wonder, how did this guy become a jock? He doesn't fit the profile, but he's, you know, he's one of those guys who just, you know, does his thing and and I'm sorry, Eli, I'm just a Dallas Cowboy fan, and so I had to just say that a little bit. Anyway, um, Hosea goes down to the red light district. He walks up to Gomer. Can you hear Gomer? She's like, that'll be 200 shekels. I get paid to do the wild thing. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm not here for that tonight. I'm here because I want to take you out of this life. I'm here because I want to give you a home and I, I want to give you a family and, I, and I, want to, I, want, I want to marry you and I want to love you and I want to treat you in such a way that you maybe are not used to being treated. And, and, and somehow, way, she's scratching her head going, what's the catch? I, I don't understand this. There's no way this could ever possibly take place. There, there must be a joke. There must be cameras around. You must be trying to set me up. What's going on? And, and, and he said, no, no, there's no, there's no setup. There's no catch. He says, I really want you to marry me. And by the way, do you, do you know there's a movie that has been invented after this story? You've seen it before. Pretty Woman. You ever see the movie? Stole it right from the Bible. That's exactly where the movie came from. They'll never admit it, but I guarantee it came from there. And so finally, Hosea, he, he, he convinces her to marry him. She's in her head. She's going, I don't understand this. I don't get it. But, but, but in her heart, she's saying, I really want this. I want out. I want, I want a new life. I want to experience new love. So they get married, and she gives up the movies and the dancing and the high-priced hotels and the trips to Vegas and Milan. And, and she settles down with God's man, Hosea. And he, as time goes on, they fall in love together, and they, they begin to have kids, and they have three kids, right? The first kid's name is Jezreel, which means judgment. 
and the second child's name is Lo Ruhamah, which means not loved. And the third child's name is Lo Amai, which means not my people. And what's interesting is Hosea's name means salvation. And so what you have is a picture of Hosea offering salvation to a woman who should have received judgment. A woman who uh, doesn't know what it's like to be loved. And a woman who certainly doesn't feel like one of God's people. And it's an amazingly scandalous story. And so they get on together and they get married and they begin to have a family and all this kind of stuff. And everything is going great. And fast forward a few years. And, and one morning, Hosea wakes up. Kind of feels over and, 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 and Gomer's not there. And so he's thinking, oh, she, she must have woke up early this morning. She's probably going down fixing me some some pancakes with an espresso and a side of sausage. Pancakes, honey, with an espresso and a side of sausage in bed. Anyway, just in case she was listening. And, and he's, he's thinking, well, you know, he waits there a little while and, and you know, time is going. I say, well, she's not bringing me breakfast. And so he goes down, he looks for her and she's not in the kitchen and he figures, well, maybe she's outside on the porch and he goes to look for her outside on the porch and she's not there and goes uh, in the kids' room. Maybe he's, she's helping one of the kids and she's not there. The bathroom, she's not there. The neighbor's house, she's not there. And suddenly it dawns on him, she may have left. And sure enough, she did. She got bored. She got tired of the security and the commitment to the same man. The lore of her old life pulled her back and bam, just like that, she was back in the red light district on the street corner. She abandoned the one that took her from the doors of judgment, from the emotional grip of being unloved and from the empty feeling of being separated from God. And she walked out on the very one who showed her irrational, undeserving, scandalous Love. He tried the best that he could to answer the questions of the children. Dad, how come, how come mom's not here? Where'd she go? Oh, she'll be back in just a little while. They went on with their day. Came time for homework, and he did his best to help them with the homework. Hey, hey, Dad, how come mom's not here? Oh, don't worry. She'll, she'll be back in just a little while. Dinner came, and he, he fumbled his way through the kitchen, and he made them something to eat, probably some mac and cheese and some hot dogs, because that's what dads do. And, uh, Pulled that together and kids ate and it's time to go to bed. Gave them their baths and tucked them in and it's time to read the bedtime story. Hey, Dad, where, where's Mom? Why, why isn't Mom home, Dad? Where, where's she at? Oh, don't worry. She, she, she'll be back in a few days and day after day after day until finally everybody realized, well, Mom's really not coming back. And he did the best he could, and time went on, and his heart began to mend, and his heart began to heal, and, 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 and he hasn't seen his wife in years and years and years now, and by this time, she's got a lot of mileage on her. Her belly is not as tight as it once was. She's got stretch marks after having at least three kids. She's got wrinkles, and her, her hair is all gray. She doesn't have the look anymore to do what it takes to stay in her line of work, but she's got to survive. And she decides to go and sell herself as a slave. Her life of sin has led to now a life of slavery. And in the middle of all this, when Hosea's heart is healed and he's kind of moved on, God speaks to this man again. And in our text, chapter 3, verse number 1, he says, Go and love your wife again. Go and find her. Go and bring her back. Go and bring it, invite her back into your home again. Look at it with me. Chapter 3, verse number 1, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. 
Can you imagine what's going on in Hosea's mind? God, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Isn't one broken heart enough? God, I've already dealt with the pain and the kids have gotten over it and God, I've healed. And now you're telling me to go and expose myself to this kind of hurt again? It's scandalous in every single way. But do you know what Hosea does? He looks in every crack house, on every street corner, until he finally comes to a place called the auction house. He walks in, and there up on the stage is Gomer. And she's being auctioned off. The prices are not very high because who wants a old prostitute as a slave? What can she really, really do anyway? And so she's there, and, and, and sure enough, uh, the bids are going out. It's, it's two shekels. It's four se- shekels. It's ten shekels. It's fifteen shekels. And finally he says, oh, oh, I'll take her for fifteen. And the scripture says, so I bought her back for fifteen shekels of silver. Five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. What is going on in Gomer's mind as she contemplates what has taken place? I've been sold into slavery. I could be killed. This could be a cruel taskmaster. As Hosea walks forward, they lock eyes and she sees it's not no cruel taskmaster. But it indeed is Hosea. It indeed is her salvation. And suddenly they lock eyes and he says, I've come to bring you back home again. I'm going to treat you as though this has never happened. But here are our covenants to one another. You've got to be faithful from this moment forward. Translation, I'll take you back. Despite what you've done, despite everything that's gone, gone on, I'll welcome you home. Why is this story scandalous story. Why is this story in the Bible? And I believe it's there because God is communicating to us about our relationship with him. He wants us to understand something about his love that he has for us. And the first thing that God wants us to understand, number one on your outline, is that our relationship with Christ is based on a scandalous love. It's a one-sided love. It's a love where We have hardly anything, if anything at all, to offer him. And he's got everything to offer us. Hosea has everything. Gomer has nothing. Hosea is a prophet. Gomer is a prostitute. Hosea's life is in order. Gomer's life is chaotic. Hosea sleeps in the same bed every night. Gomer sleeps in a different one. Hosea works for God. Gomer works for John. Hosea has a home. Gomer walks the streets. Hosea lives with security. Gomer lives in constant sin. He's got everything. She's got nothing. He stands to lose it all by entering this relationship. She stands to gain it all. It's a one-sided love. Just like our relationship with our Savior. What is a God like that doing in a relationship with people like us. We've got nothing to offer him. He's got everything he needs. He's got everything he wants. If he doesn't have it, he just creates it and makes it for himself. But yet still, he wants to enter into relationship with people who got nothing to give back to him. The Bible says it this way. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Translation, he gets all of our junk and we get all of his treasure. He got He gets our standing with God or our sin, and we get his standing with God. We get his righteousness, he gets our wretchedness. He takes our griefs, we get his grace. He takes our cross, we get his crown. He he goes to our hell, we get to live in his heaven. It's a one-sided 
It's a scandalous love. Jesus loved us, the unlovable prostitutes. He loved us without us asking for it, earning it, or deserving it. It's a love from another world. It doesn't depend on our behavior. It doesn't give up. After we do something wrong, it's not in response to what we do that's right. It keeps no record of our wrongs. It doesn't seek to get even. It always has our best interest at heart. It's a love from another planet. It's so hard to describe because nothing in this generation is a good example of it. The reason why this generation is so starved for love, they have no examples of it. What would you tell this generation the love of God The love of Christ is like, it's like a marriage, you might say. They would say, well, six and ten of those end in divorce. It's like a mother's love. It's not uncommon today for a mother to abort their baby. It's like a father's love. It's not uncommon for a father to walk out on his kids. It's like a child's love. It's not uncommon for a child to put their parents in a nursing home as a dumping ground as they get older. The love of God is so much better than that. It won't divorce you when it's had enough of you. It won't abort you when you become inconvenient. It won't leave you when it's found something better. It won't dump you when you require too much of it. The love of God is so much better. It is the scandal of grace. Jesus died in our place too much for us to comprehend. The story is in the Bible because God wants to give us a picture of how much he loves us. He said the picture is kind of like a prostitute marrying a prophet. But the second thing he wants us to see is that it's not just a scandalous love. It's a scandalous love that can't be stopped. Gomer moves in. Hosea gives her everything she could ask for, a home, family, a loving, faithful husband, takes in her children, gives them Children of her of their own dignity gives her respect, security, support, you name it, she's got it all. And somehow, some way, she does it again. Somehow, some way, she leaves him. She plays the role of a harlot again, but this time at his expense. He could have said, I'm done. He could have said, I'm going to move on. He could have said, I had enough. But instead, he goes out looking for her. Isn't this the love of Jesus? Isn't this what Jesus does for us again and again and again and again? We say we're going to do, and we do something else, and we walk away, and we turn our back on him. But he comes looking for us. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He looks over the horizon for the prodigal that's coming home. He goes and he visits us in those places that we shouldn't be in. This is the love of God. Searches for us. A love that cannot be stopped. I love what David says. Psalm 139, verse number 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, we know this. He's there. He's in heaven. But watch this. If I make my bed in hell, if I make my bed in hell, Not if circumstances cause me to be in a situation that I never thought I'd be in. Not if people do stuff to me. But if I choose out of my own volition to do something that causes me to be in a living hell, even in that space, even in the place that you shouldn't be in, even in the place where I should receive judgment, even in the place where you should turn your back on me, even there, God, you are there. What is David saying? What is the story telling us? That we serve a God whose love cannot be stopped. It is scandalous. It is reckless. He'll run you down. He'll chase you down. No matter how far you go. 
going, how many times you turn your back on him, God will always come and welcome you back home. An absolute scandalous love that cannot be stopped. But here's what I take from the story, something that to me is just a little bit deeper. It's a love that can only be progressively understood. Hosea first comes to Gomer and he says, uh, I want to marry you. She doesn't get it at first. It's, it's kind of like her, her head is saying, no way. She's already determined in her, in her head that she doesn't need a love that a man can offer. She's put the walls up because of her life experiences. And so her head is saying no, but in her heart, she's saying yes. She's saying, but I really want a love. I really want a love that, that wants somebody like me. I really want it. My head's saying no, but my heart is saying yes. I want this kind of love. And so she says yes, but she has a hard time keeping her yes. Anybody ever say yes to God but then had a hard time keeping your yes? Yes, God, uh, I'll do that. Yes, God, I'll, I'll be faithful to church. And yes, God, I'll be the husband that you want me to be. Yes, God, I'll be the father that you want me to be. Yes, God, I'll be the Christian you want me to be. Yes, God, I'll never do that again. Have you ever said yes to God and found it hard to stick to your yes? Gomer did. Our yes to Hosea was being blocked by her self-perception of her past. She moved, listen to me, positionally, but she didn't move perspectively. She moved positionally from prostitute to wife of a prophet. But even though she was now the wife of a prophet, her perspective was that she was still a prostitute. And because her perspective didn't change, as her position changed, she was easily pulled back to her past. Have you ever wondered why you know you made Jesus the Lord of your life? You know that you loved you. You know that you gave him your heart. You gave him your all. But, but somehow, some way, you keep getting dragged back to what you used to do and what you used to be. It's because you moved positionally, but you haven't moved perspectively. Your past is warring against your current place of grace, and it's trying to convince you that you are something other than and a child of Almighty God. And I don't know who I'm speaking to right now. I don't know who's watching that needs to hear this. But here's what I know. I know that you are not who you used to be. I know that you are not the mistake that you wish you didn't commit. I know you are a child of Almighty God, an heir and a joint heir with Christ, saved and redeemed by His grace, and an overcomer, not just an overcomer, but more than an overcomer. But our perspective needs to change. In order for us to maintain our position. And Hosea has tried to offer his grace. It's hard for her to understand it because it's grace from another world. And Gomer tried to accept it, but she couldn't because she kept being pulled back by her past. She's now gone. She's back out there on the streets. And Gomer is now on her own again. But Hosea, like Jesus, goes out looking for her. Can you picture it with me? He's famous. Everybody knows him. I remember years ago, let me take a break. Years ago, I was in New Orleans with, with Jesse Duplantis, who's a friend of mine. And um, it was the first time I'd ever been in New Orleans. 
and we were at the corner of Bourbon Street where you would walk down Bur- Bourbon Street. And he said, he said to me, he said, Frank, you got to check this, this place out. This is like iconic. He said, I'll just wait here and you go down the street. I said, well, why are you going to wait here? He said, because I don't want nobody seeing me on Bourbon Street. Everybody knows me around here. I'm like, well, thanks a lot, man, you know. But I was like, well, listen, if it's not good enough for you to walk down because there's stuff that people shouldn't be seeing, that's not good enough for me to walk down. I'm not walking down either. Imagine Hosea, famous, going to the red light district. Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? Yo, 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 you see my wife? Hey, bro. See my wife? Oh, man. Y'all together? She's still your wife? I didn't know that. My bad, my bad, man. My bad, my bad. Yeah, she's she's over there. And he goes and he walks into the auction. And he buys her back. And he welcomes her back home. Here's my question. What do you think happened to her level of understanding of how much he loved her from the first experience when he invited her into his home, and the second experience where he invited her back into his home. See, at first, she kind of just was touching the surface of what the love of God is really like. It was strange to her. She couldn't understand why a man like him wanted to, to be in a relationship with a girl like her. But then she played the role of a harlot, and then she walked out on him, and then he went out after her, and he received her back, no strings attached, and forgave her again. What do you think happened to her level of understanding of the love of Almighty God? Watch this. Ephesians chapter number 3. For this reason, Paul prays, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, watch this, what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I want you to notice that he describes God's love in terms of four dimensions. Not three. And the reason why it's hard for us to understand the love of God is because we only understand stuff in three dimensions. But the love of God is beyond this world. It has a whole nother dimension to it. Our dimension of love stops. When you stop loving me, I stop loving you. When you stop treating me right, I stop treating you right. But the love of God has a fourth dimension. It's the fourth dimension that is initiated by the grace of God. It is unearned and undeserved. And God keeps coming. Now watch this. But no matter how much I explain it to you, You can't understand it by explanation. You can only understand it by progressive experience. And so what he says is he says that you might know, K-N-O-W, the Greek word genosko. And what it literally means is to progressively understand. 
And so we come to Christ, and the preacher preaches, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We hear about this God who wants to forgive you, not based on your works, but based on the finished work of Christ. And somehow, somehow, our our head is saying no, our heart is saying yes, and we come to the altar, and we give our life to Jesus. But we don't really know the love of God. Life happens. And you find yourself in all sorts of situations, some by your own choosing and some because life happens to everybody. Death of a loved one happens. Sickness happens. Addiction happens. Fornication happens. Faithfulness happens. Strain from God happens. And you find yourself, because of one of those circumstances, in a place that you never thought you'd be in. And your mind begins to race, and you begin to ask yourself the questions like, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to get out the other side? How much more can I tolerate life begins to converge? But somehow, some way, and you don't even know how, and you don't even know the way, but somehow, some way, you make it through the other side of that thing. And can I tell you what always happens when you make it to the other side of that thing? When you are a child of God, you leave the other side of that thing with what I call a no-so experience. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day how do you know God loves you I just know that I know that I know I got scars to prove it didn't know it at first took me a while to understand it but now I know because God walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death his rod and his staff they comforted me he was there with me even in the hell that I made for myself somehow some way What God takes out of the messes of life, that's one of the, the ways that God does in Romans 8, 28 for us. And we know that all things work together for the good, for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. One of the things that God does is he gives us a deeper understanding. Did you know that God teaches us through experience? Yes, he teaches us through his word, but he, he, he teaches us through experience. For instance, he tells Abraham, he says, I need you to go and offer up your son Isaac on Mount Moriah. And Abraham goes up there, and Abraham's got the knife in his hand. He's ready to sacrifice his son. And God says, stop! I never wanted your son. I wanted you to understand my heart on what it's going to be like for me to give up my son. And the way that I had to teach you that was through an experience because if your relationship with God could ever get rooted and grounded in a love from another world, it will revolutionize your relationship with Him. It'll revolutionize your outlook. It'll revolutionize your expectation. It'll revolutionize how you experience pain. It'll revolutionize how you feel hopeful in the middle of hopeless situations. But you got to get it rooted in love. And so God teaches Hosea And Gomer, his love through this experience. The fourth thing, and the fourth reason why I believe this story is in the Bible is because Gomer's story is our story. We are the spiritual 
prostitutes. Say, Pastor, really, really, that's who I am. See, the problem with us is, is we think too highly of ourselves. We are the spiritual prostitutes. I'll prove it to you. Every time we treat God as a means to an end, are we not prostituting God? Are we not treating him like a pimp? God, I'll get close to you so you can answer my prayer. God, I'll do this so you can do something for me. Instead of just loving God for who he is, we are the spiritual prostitutes. We were the ones who didn't even know we needed a savior. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. I am Gomer, you are Gomer and Jesus is Hosea. He's our salvation. What I love about this story is that when you put Hosea and Gomer together, you get salvation finished. Salvation finished. Hosea, salvation, Gomer, finished. And here's the first kind of level of understanding. You cannot be complete unless you find salvation in Jesus Christ. Who you have been intended to be cannot be experienced till you find salvation in Jesus Christ. Here's the deeper understanding. The deeper understanding is Gomer, when she was outside of her relationship with Hosea, every time somebody would call her name, she would hear finished, 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 finished. And you know what she would think? Is that all there is? Is this all my life is? What I'm experiencing now? Prostitution? Sadness? Finished? How many has ever thought, is that all there is? It's all life is really all about. Now your perspective on life changes. Now it becomes other-world-minded. Not temporal, but eternal. Is you find relationship with Christ And then you realize that God is not finished with you right where you are now. No matter what you're going through, and this is for somebody, God is not finished with you. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you in the lurch. God has not just said, live out the rest of your days. God's not done. God's still got a good work. He's still on the throne. The plans that he has for you are to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He's not finished. But you can only find completion in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This story is in the Bible because I'm Gomer, you're Gomer, we're all Gomer. He said, "How how can I explain what my love is like? He said, it's like a prophet, a good Joe, marrying a prostitute. That's how much I. Would you stand on your feet?